Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 229 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by the infamous, the elusive, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you? I'm very good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. He's back. The man is back, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Diving in, though, to the review part of the show. We're going to try to whiz through this as quick as possible. Let's start at the Sam's Town Hotel and Gambling Hall in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um... One fight I should mention on the card, Kevin Newman the second. He actually lost. His record's now 11-2 and with a draw. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds there in favour of Genk Pilana, the away fighter, now 8-1 and with a draw. Quite close on the cards. Um, but the real main attraction, the main event, Keith Hunter, the brother of Michael. Obviously, Keith's been on the show a bunch of times as well. He is now 12-0. and um, He was supposed to take on the undefeated Malik Hawkins, who had a record of 18-0, and I believe. But anyway, he ended up taking on Sanjabek Rachmanov, who, if I'm not mistaken, Keith Hunter beat him on a split decision over eight rounds, I think, last year or maybe the year before that. And, um, yeah, so it was a chance for Rachmanov on, on short notice to try and avenge that defeat. But it wasn't to be. It was to be Keith Hunter's night once again, only much more... Um, you know, much, much clearer this time round. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds there. Ratmanov was down in the third round. Um, I did actually watch this one, so I'm just going to go for it a little bit, um, a little bit here. Um... Firstly, the the ring walk was quite crazy from from um, Keith Hunter. He came out with this long coat on, this 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 quirky hat. Um, obviously, you know the first round Hunter was picking his man apart. He was loading up a little bit too much, perhaps, but he was landing some lovely jabs, some spiteful right hands. In, in round two, again, Hunter round for me. Sometimes a little bit wild. He'd get, you know, he'd miss sometimes quite badly. But obviously, a lot of clean work was in there as well, um, both to the head and body. He was pretty much nullifying everything Rachmanov had but you know I, I just thought to myself seeing as it's 10 rounds a quick start here from Keith Hunter could come back to bite him in the backside um, round three Rachmanov you know, he touched down with his glove. It was scored a knockdown. I don't think he was too hurt. His leg just seemed to momentarily give way. Um, it felt like the referee could have I mean it, it, it was a little bit harsh to give it a knockdown. It was a knockdown. It was a knockdown so maybe it wasn't harsh but you know it was one of those ones where he was kind of you know, he was low down. He was he was he was crouching a little bit, and then his hands hit the canvas. So the referee gave it gave it a knockdown. He got up straight away, and Keith Hunter started hitting him. It was so quick; it was almost as if you know some some people wouldn't have even noticed it, it was that type of knockdown. Um, you know, when Rachmanov got back up, Hunter, like I say, went in for the kill. He landed some savage uppercuts, but Rachmanov showed his toughness. He soaked up the pressure, and he actually came back with some big hooks of his own. Hunter, Hunter then seemed to kind of slow at the end of that third round. Again, I was, I was starting to think. I hope he's not, you know, he's not 
like I say, starting a little bit too fast and perhaps getting a little bit tired. Um, round four, for someone with such a good amateur career, Rachmanov's head movement was, was pretty awful, to be honest. Another clear hunter round. Um, he did back up quite a bit. It was like he was perhaps taking a round off in round four. Um, round five, another round for my, uh, for Michael, for Keith Hunter. Um, you know, again, just a, just a step ahead of Rachmanov. He shoeshined the round, really. Um, round six, that was the only round I gave to Rachmanov. He repeatedly he repeatedly would land massive looking left hooks and you know i know for a fact that keith hunter's got a real good chin it runs in the family um you know so it wasn't necessarily worrying me but it wasn't it wasn't a good sign at the same time you know he continued to land the same shot again and again um but you know hunter went back to his corner and he came back out in the second half of the fight and um well, it's only a 10-rounder, so round seven, we're already into the second half of the fight. But he came out and, you know, got back to dominating. The seventh round, he won that. But that was a problem round. He threw a right hand of his own, and he it, it landed. But he turned away, and he winced. And, you know, straight away, you could tell something was up with his right hand. And he basically was only able to use the, the left hand to get through that round. Um, it came back in, in my memory that, of course, in Keith's last scheduled fight when he was supposed to box on the Clarissa Shields, Ivana Habazin undercard, um, you know, he was pulled off of that bill due to a hand injury in January. Could he have perhaps came back a little bit too soon? Um, you know, he made it clear in the corner, though, that he did indeed hurt the hurt the hand. He came out in round eight, and to be fair to him, it was an excellent round. You know, he wasn't necessarily beating Rekmanov up in any way, but he was incredibly smart with his left hand his elusiveness, his movement was absolutely mind-blowing. It was fantastic. He really did um, impress me there, you know. He, he actually also let his right hand go a couple times. It it looked good, you know. It was it was a smart fought round. That eighth round there was actually, for me, the most impressive round because he had the one arm really predominantly to use and, for me, he boxed, he boxed so, so cleverly. Um, round nine, another round for Hunter. He outsmarted Rachmanov. Um, not really much... To be, to be honest, to report there. And then, of course, the 10th and final round, an unbelievable final round. Hunter didn't let Rachmanov dominate. He didn't let him have that last hurrah, which his corner wanted him to have. You know, they said, you need to go out there and give it your all here. And, um, you know, Hunter himself poured it all out and he had Rachmanov hurt. So it was a big, a big round there for Hunter in the 10th and final round. Like I say, thoroughly impressed. Um, you know, the, the previous fight between the two, it was an eight rounder. And I felt like going 10 rounds, it would probably be in the interest of Rachmanov. It would probably be his kind of advantage. But no, Hunter paced himself really well over those 10 rounds. Like I say, very, very impressed, especially when he hurt his hand. He was able to see out the rest of the fight. Unbelievable stuff. Fantastic there. And once again, he announces himself as a real threat at 140 there. Uh, moving out now to the Paramount Theatre in Huntington, New York, USA. Over here, we got to mention Carlos Takam moved to 38-5 and with a draw. Um... A unanimous decision for him against Fabio Maldonado, who's now 26-4 and inside 30 fights. Of course, many people will remember Fabio Maldonado, quite a tough guy. I think he's got 26 wins, but 25 by KO. He's only been stopped the one time, and that was against Michael Hunter. So Carlos Takam, a very, very tough guy, couldn't put him away. Remember, Michael did it in two rounds, which is real impressive. Also on the bill, Cleta Seldin, now 25-1, and a TKO win for him against Luis. Flores, who's now 25 and 16, a little bit overmatched there. That one was for the NABA Super Lightweight 
um, title. Moving out now to Navarra at the Navarra Arena in Spain. Over here we had Kerman Leharaga move to 30 wins. He's of course got those two losses to David Avenician. Um, this one was a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Jose Macias. Completely shut him out, Leharaga. But, you know, it is interesting. He didn't get the knockout when he... He most of the time does, so uh, either he's a real tough guy, Macias, or Kerman just didn't look that great. Um, moving out now to the PAL Center in Delaware, USA. Um, over here, friend of the show, Henry Hank Lundy, now 31-8 and eight with a draw. It was his 40th career fight there. A unanimous decision over eight rounds against Ezekiel Fernandez, who's now 28-4 and four with a draw. All the best there to Hank Lundy. And moving now to the big one that took place at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, Texas, USA. Um... Let's start here with the undercard. Just going to whiz through the undercard real quick here. Diego Pacheco now nine and zero. It's it's um, you know it's it's great how Matchroom USA predominantly well, exclusively are keeping him so busy. You know he's been he just seems to be on every undercard. He's he's really getting that experience and getting it quick. Um, like I say, I remember when he was like two and zero. Now he's nine and zero. It's, it's it seems like two weeks ago he was 2-0. and Anyway, Pacheco, like I say, 9-0. A unanimous decision for him over six rounds against Oscar Riojas. Um, yeah, Riojas. A winning record, to be fair, but, you know, complete shutout on the cards there for young Diego Pacheco. Also on the bill, Israel Madrimov, a guy that they're really bigging up. Real good amateur. Um, he's now 5-0. and A TKO for him in six rounds against Charlie Navarro, who's now 29-10. and um, Also on the undercard, let's get straight to this one, I has. Joseph Parker, 27-2 and now against Sean Dell Winters. Um, it was a TKO in five rounds for Parker. Um, Sean Dell Winters, now 13-3. and um, A lot tougher than his record suggests. I know that you look at a record and... It doesn't really tell you how tough a guy is. It, it tends to, to give you an indication how good the guy is. But um, a tough, tough guy. You know, when I looked at those losses, you know, he had um, two losses going into the fight. One was by KO. One was on points. But um, he was tough. He was tough as they come, you know. Really and truly, he is a cruiserweight. But he was up at heavyweight for a little bit. And, yeah, he took on he took on Joseph Parker. I think he was coming off two upset wins, Sean Dale Winters. A very big puncher himself. 12 KOs in, inside his 13 wins. But, yeah, very stubborn, you know. Very, very tough guy. It was a fun fight. I don't think Joseph Parker was too pleased afterwards with his performance, in all honesty. I think he made it a lot harder for himself than he probably needed to. He wasn't really setting much up. He was just trying to, you know, land the big shots and bang Winters out of there. He wasn't really setting up too much with a jab and stuff like that. And also, I think Parker was a bit annoyed that he got cut by his right eye. Um, yeah, Winters was down twice. He got back up both times. Give him some credit there. But rightly so, when the uh, the referee waved it off, like I say, in that in that um, fifth and final round. Also on the bill, Julio Cesar Martinez. He defended successfully his WBC World Flyweight title. His record now 16-1. and one, A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Jay Harris. Very, very game. Full of heart, Jay Harris. Now 17-1. and one. He loses his O. Harris was down in the 10th round. Um... An unbelievable performance by Jay Harris. You know, the first round was was um, you know was a round where Martinez put a little bit of a dent in Harris straight away, and I thought you know this is the beginning of the end because this guy punches like you know. <laughs> 
he punches quite incredibly, you know, um, Martinez. Doesn't have the quickest feet in the world, doesn't have the best head movement, doesn't really have the best defence, you know, he just puts his gloves up and walks forward, he's a wrecking machine, that's what he is, and even though Harris, you know, they said he can punch quite a bit himself, that's not his game, you don't really want to be trading with Martinez, you know, Harris is, is a big guy for the weight, he could have kept it long, boxed on the outside, but no, he tore up the script, and a little bit like Fury did against Wilder, he decided to pretty much, um, at times, trade with Martinez. And it, it seemed like a crazy tactic, but early on, he he gave Martinez a taste of his power, and Martinez respected it, actually. And at times in the fight, Harris would box and move and make Martinez miss, and he looked unbelievable. He really, really did. But I've got to say, going into the fight, I expected Martinez to make light work of him and get him out of there, and that's just me being completely honest. You know, he is a wrecking machine, this guy, but Jay Harris impressed me so much. He's done better against Martinez than Andrew Selby did. He's done better against Martinez than Charlie Edwards did, and, um, you know, Jay Harris on the domestic scene, he doesn't get the same kind of hype as Andrew Selby or Charlie Edwards, and and this performance here, despite it being a loss, this to me, you know, he goes up in hu- he goes up huge in my expectations now and my estimations for future fights. What an incredible fighter he is! And um, I was just just completely shocked at how good he was. You know, he boxed tremendously. He's obviously got a fantastic chin, even though he was down in the tenth round. It was a body shot, by the way. Um, he was sensational, Jay Harris. And based on that. You know, if he goes and fights those guys domestically, which he can, by the way, you know, he can. Um, Charlie Edwards, Andrew Selby, and him, they've all got losses. They've got nothing to protect anymore, you know. Charlie Edwards has been a world champion. Andrew Selby's boxed for a world title. Jay Harris has boxed for a world title. Obviously, Charlie Edwards is the only guy that's actually become a world champion. But Andrew Selby, he's in a difficult position right now. So is um, Jay Harris, I'm guessing, coming off that. Maybe both of those guys are not good enough to become world champions. Why don't they get it on, you know? Why don't they get it on? Why don't we get those kind of fights? You know, throw Sonny Edwards in the mix as well. Um, obviously, Paddy Barnes was a, was a guy that we would have loved to see him fight Charlie or Sonny Edwards. That never happened. We'd have loved to see him fight Andrew Selby. That never happened. But he did fight Jay Harris. So for me, that goes to show Jay Harris has the intentions. He will fight these guys domestically. He will. You know, he went on the road to box Martinez here. We we have to remember, um, Charlie Edwards had Martinez come over. Fair enough, he was the challenger at the time. Andrew Selby, credit to him, went out to Mexico. But Jay Harris went out there and boxed absolutely fantastically. And I, I've got nothing but absolute praise and great words for Jay Harris. I'm so, so excited for what the future has in store for him. Um, tremendously impressed with Jay Harris. A huge fan of him I am now. Um, like I say, unbelievable performance despite losing but I will say I can't remember my card exactly now in fact do I have my card still I had it real close real 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 close not not in the end not not you know not after the 12 rounds I didn't think it was going to be a draw or anything like that but um you know going into those 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 late rounds I had it real close especially in rounds eight and stuff like that rounds nine around that stage um I'm just trying to look here I had it I mean, Harris started fantastically. This is actually my card. I gave Martinez the first round. I gave Harris round two, three, and four. I gave Martinez round five and six. So I had it three, three after six rounds there. Um, the tenth, uh, sorry, the seventh round, I gave it a ten, ten. So I had it all square going into round eight, which I gave to Harris. 
Then I gave round nine to Martinez. So again, I had it all square going into the 10th round, and that is where Martinez started to dominate. Of course, he got that 10-8 round um, in round 10, and that's where he kind of ran away with it. So I actually had it, like I say, all square in um, at the end of round nine, I think that is there. So yeah tremendously impressive anyway moving on because i can talk about his gutsy performance all day jay harris moving on let's move up now to cal yafai as he was our longest reigning um you know our longest reigning world champion out of out of our current champions on saturday night but he's been dethroned of his wba super world super flyweight title and he loses his oh he's now 26 and one he's another guy who you know was was in that kind of mix you know we wanted to see him fight charlie edwards he's had a long reign he's been a world champion since i think it was december 2016 so you know over three years and in that time he didn't really have the fights that we wanted and then of course the big fight that he gets was he prepared for it? I'm not quite sure. You know, those 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 hard fights he had in the meantime that he probably wasn't overly motivated for. Are they ideal preparation when you're when you're fighting a guy like Roman Gonzalez, who ended up being a little bit better than Yafai in pretty much every department? Yafai found himself on the canvas in round eight and round nine, and um, all I can say is Cal Yafai showed tremendous tremendous heart in that fight. But, you know, I think the way his career's gone since winning a world title, I'd have, I'd have loved to see in that Charlie Edwards fight. We didn't get to see that. And it's been quite a long and slow reign, really, he's had. And then he loses like that. I mean, against the cracking fighter, so you can't really take too much away from him. But, um, yeah, anyway, let's talk about the fight. What did you make of the fight, Ayaz? He was just, he was outclassed, really, by one of the, the best fighters we've seen in recent years. Going into this fight, I I thought Roman Gonzalez. Uh, we all I thought Kyle was going to win the fight. And then going towards fight night, right? My mind just changed, obviously, due to the fact that Roman about Roman Gonzalez, because I thought, yes, he's the, he's he's been a pound for pound. He's he's beaten like he's fought all the like many top guys. He's been knocked out as well. But then Kyle fight just didn't look right. I think he's because he's been fighting at such a super fight for such a long time, right? Um, obviously, my mind changed, and then. On the fight night, when the fight was happening, he didn't really do much. Kyrie fight wasn't even on the gas as well. He, didn't, he couldn't really land much as well. And on the right, on the ninth round, Roman Gonzalez smacked him, hit him with the right hand and literally knocked him out completely. Now, where does Kyrie fight go from here? I think uh, I, I was watching one of Eddie Hearn's interview recently, okay? And he's advised that Kyrie fight is going to move up to Bantamweight. Now, in my opinion, for him, I think Bantamweight will be the best division for him. I think, he, I think, he'll, win a, I think he'll win another world title at that fight. And he got the likes of Charlie Edwards, where he can have a uh, like a British dust up with him. There's other fights as well, like Evan McDonald. Um, there's many other fighters as well there. Yeah, like I say, hopefully we do get to see those domestic fights. If he does move up to bantamweight, um, yeah, there are fights that can be made there. You know, Charlie Edwards. I, I still want to see that fight again. You know, I kind of at the minute put Charlie Edwards and Cal Yafai in very, in very similar positions. Obviously, I don't think Edwards is with Eddie Hearn anymore. I think he's moved now with MTK. Um, so, yeah, you know, Charlie Edwards and Cal Yafai, they're in similar positions. Um, Andrew Selby and Jay Harris, similar positions. Let these guys fight each other, you know. Let these guys fight each other. Why not? That's what should happen. Um, getting on to the prediction league, though. 
Um, I went with Martinez to KO Jay Harris. So did you, Iaz. Obviously, the listeners went with Harris to win by a KO. None of that happened. Of course, Martinez ended up winning on points, rightly so in the end. Um, so no one gained a point there. I went with Gonzalez to KO um, Cal Yafai. So did the listeners. But you, Iaz, you went with... Um, Yafai to win on points, which of course didn't happen, so myself and the listeners both gain a point there. Um, but yeah, Roman Gonzalez now 49-2, and again, still only beaten by the one man, and there's some mega fights again that can be made for him. He's he's had a real hero's reception when he got back to Nicaragua. Um, yeah, so he's the new... WBA Super World Super Flyweight Champion and topping the bill, Mikey Garcia. He picked up win number 40 here, 40 and 1. Um, a fight for the vacant WBC Diamond Welterweight title against Jesse Vargas. Both men, friends of the show. Vargas now 29 and 3 with two draws. Vargas, of course, down in the fifth round. Um, you know, Mikey Garcia, I have always rated him very, very highly. Um, again, I, I'm going to say it again. I'm repeating myself again. I was quite shocked that he decided to stay at welterweight for this fight. Um, I'm guessing that it gets him in some kind of position for a big fight next. I guess that's what he's doing. He's quite smart, Mikey Garcia, when it comes to his career moves, you know, since... You know, since he's returned to boxing, he's been very shrewd with his moves. He hasn't really, you know, committed himself to any promoter on a long-term basis. And, you know, he's kind of controlling his career. His career's in his own hands. And, um, you know, he is such a great fighter, like I say. So I expected him to beat Jesse Vargas. I went with Garcia to win on points, which did happen. Um, you went with Garcia to win by KOIs, which, of course, didn't happen. So uh, no points for you that week there, or this week, or last week, whatever. Um, no points for you, but two for myself, two for the listeners, which I think now puts them in front of you. But, um, yeah, just back on to the fight. I mean... He joins some great company there, Mikey Garcia, because Jesse Vargas is a very good fighter. He's a very tough guy, and obviously his only two losses come to Tim Bradley and Manny Pacquiao. You know, Manny Pacquiao, obviously one of the best fighters of all time, pretty much. And, um, you know, Tim Bradley, a very, very, very good fighter. So to join those guys, especially the fight being at 147, which heavily favoured Vargas, you know, he, he acknowledged he... He um, benefited from that, from, from the fight being at 147. So, yeah, for me, it was real impressive by Mike, by Mikey. Um, he didn't really start the fight fantastically, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, you know, it was a bright start to the fight from Vargas. It, it took Mikey, you know, three or four rounds to properly warm into it. And then from that point onwards, he just ran away with it, really. You know, he was too good for Vargas. And, you know, like I say, once again, he shows that he is a real class fighter. You know, that one loss to Errol Spence, who's absolutely huge for 147. And Errol Spence was terrific that night. You know, he he didn't stop throwing shots. And credit to Mikey. Mikey, I remember that fight. He took some absolute bombs. His corner were thinking about pulling him out. You know, he's he's full of heart. And he's got a terrific chin. You know, if Errol Spence can't put you away and you're that small compared to Errol Spence and you're taking shots like that on the chin all night, if he can't put you away, who can put you away, you know? I don't think Mikey gets stopped at 147 even if he shouldn't be there. I don't think anyone at 135 or 140 where he probably should be would stop him at all. None of them. You know, I don't think he gets stopped by any of those guys. Like, you know, Lomachenko, um... Tiafimo Lopez, I don't think any of those guys could 
you know, can, can match Errol Spence's power. So for me, Mikey Garcia, as talented as he is, he's been a four-weight world champion. Quite clearly, he wants to become a five-weight world champion, and that's why he's hanging around at welterweight. He's calling out the likes of Manny Pacquiao. That's a fight that could happen, and I tell you what, that would be a good fight. Um, but yeah, I'd, in all honesty, I'd like to see him go back down to one one thirty or one, uh, sorry, one thirty-five or one forty. But you know, he since he lost his O. I think his kind of mind has changed now. I think he just wants to have big fights, you know, and he doesn't really care about his O anymore, where at one stage in his career, I think he did really care about his O. That time has been and gone. So as boxing fans, we should all applaud um, Mikey Garcia and get behind him going forward because it seems like he wants those exciting fights. Um, Any words on that fight at all, as it is the final fight of the review part of the show? I mean, I'm um, well done for Mikey Garcia winning the fight. Obviously, Jesse Vargas was still laughing. And I was uh, like a comeback for obviously 147. But I really do not want to see him at 147 anymore. I just don't think the way it suits him. I think that um, he's still the rumour for him to fight uh, Manny Pacquiao in July in Saudi Arabia. But I just don't want to see him in, don't want to see him at 147. I don't think, I think the weight's too big for him. I think a lot, a lot of people beat him, obviously, because of his size. Don't get me wrong, Mikey Garcia is a tremendous fighter, yeah. But I'd rather see him at 140 down. I'd like to see him fight someone like Josh Taylor. Yeah, that'd be a tough fight. I, I definitely, I definitely, um, I definitely think that's a tough fight for him. Um, yeah, he needs to stay away from the true big 147s like Errol Spence. I'd give him a chance though against Pacquiao. You know, Pacquiao's not big. You know, he's he's. Mikey is probably a little bit bigger than Pacquiao if I had to guess in terms of their height. Um, so yeah, I don't mind the Pacquiao fight, you know, because he's not completely like a like an ant, you know, standing next to, uh, you know, a, the BFG. You know, he is he is he is probably bigger than Pacquiao. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to see him in there against the likes of, I mean, a Sean Porter would be a hard fight for him. I wouldn't want to see him in the, in there with the likes of Spence again. I wouldn't want to see him in there with the likes of your Dennis Ugas. I wouldn't mind the Terence Crawford fight, but again, these are all just fantasy fights. I'm kind of going off topic a little bit here. Anyway, that's it, though, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the top middleweight contender. It is, of course, Mr. Liam Williams. Liam, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Always great speaking with you. So, Liam, we last spoke... Um, quite a while ago, it was back in December 2018, it's been a while, it was just before the Mark Heffron fight, I remember at the time some people were actually picking Heffron to win that one, crazy enough, obviously, you know, you stopped him, you become the British champion, you went on to stop Joe Mullender in two, and then Karima Chor in two, um, let's discuss though your last fight, December 21st at the Copper Box, Alontes Fox, I was there for that fight, I remember before the fight you inboxed me, um, just basically saying that you you believed you'd do a demolition job, I think you said, on Alontes Fox. You did that, to be fair. Um, just tell me about that fight from your angle, uh, a crushing, crushing victory. Yeah, obviously, it was a, on paper, it was a difficult fight. And um, again, a lot, a lot of people in that fight wrote me off and thought I was going to lose. Um, so I just come up with a good game plan. And I always believed I could beat him, you know, as long as I stuck to And, you know... Obviously, quite on top, it was a good win. Put me in a great position. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, his one loss prior to the loss to you was to Andrade. The way you beat Fox, though, was much more decisive. Um, 
Yeah, so, you know, you were ranked number seven at the time. He was ranked number one. Winning that fight has obviously pushed you up. Um, you know, big fights, I'm sure, for you in the very near future. About three weeks after you beat Fox, I went out to the States. I spent a little bit of time with one of Andrade's close friends, and he, along with most of Andrade's camp, they believe they're very avoided. They're, you know, they believe that Billy Joe Saunders never wanted that fight. They believe Charlo and Jacobs don't want that fight. And I just stopped him right there, the guy, and I said, listen, our man Liam Williams has just beaten the number one ranked guy, and trust me, there's no way in the world he won't fight Andrade. I'm telling you right now, don't overlook this guy. Um, I'm right in what I'm saying there, Liam, of course. I'm sure you, I'm sure you agree. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, to be honest, I think that him and his team, they're all they're in their own little bubble. They're all full of shit because he's saying nobody wants to fight him. And for me, I don't I don't see any danger in fighting Andrade because he doesn't, he doesn't bring nothing to the table, which you know, convinces me or, or makes me believe that he got anything to beat me, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a fight, I'll take it tomorrow and um, you never know, that that could be next on the cards for me. We certainly hope so and you yourself, you've just got back from the States, you spent some time, I believe, at the wild card gym, if I'm not mistaken. How was that and what else did you get up to while you were out there, Liam? Yeah, we, uh, we spent two, uh, I think it was two weeks, maybe 15 days there, um, went around a couple of different gyms and obviously went to Freddie Roaches, Mayweather's. Uh, there was another one which I can't remember the name of now, but a couple of different gyms and good experience, you know, being around different trainers and uh, just different gyms and, you know, seeing how everybody works. So it was really good. We went to watch the, the Tyson Fury fight oh, wow. against Wilder and then... We travelled to Dallas to watch Mickey Garcia versus Jesse Vargas as well. So good, good experience to be around all these different shows and the different fighters, you know. And did you get to spar anyone while you were in these gyms at all, Liam? Of note? No, we didn't bother doing any sparring because at the moment I'm not really in camp and Got you. I'm not saying I couldn't spar, but it's pointless. Like I don't really believe in sparring out of camp and getting taking punishment during and. Yeah. Um, taking knocks when we don't really need to be, you know? No, for sure. And um, just tell me, I've got to ask you, what was it like to have been there to witness what Tyson Fury did to Deontay? You know, I've said it a few times now, we're not surprised that Tyson won the fight. I think a lot of us are surprised how he won the fight. Unbelievable performance. Yeah, I always believed that he was going to win anyway because obviously Tyson's an unbelievable talent and he, you know, for such a big guy. He moves like a middleweight. He's unbelievable. But, um, it did shock me a little bit the way he went about it. To be honest, it just you know he went for him from the first bell, didn't he? And you know really stuck it on him. So he uh, he impressed me. Actually, I was actually in the the after party with him, and um, he was like, you, you swear he hadn't even had a fight to him in. <laughs> Amazing man. Amazing. <laughs> Um, you know, you yourself, Liam, you've thrown your name in the hat with a lot of, you know, a lot of these top fighters at middleweight. I see you tweeting Andrade before you got to the States, trying to trying to somehow make both your paths cross. Um, I saw you tweeting <coughs> Charlo as well. I see you even having a, a bit of a tweet with um, with Israel Madrimov. Did you manage to run into any of these guys at all? I know you had your fingers crossed too. <laughs> yeah, I well, not really. Charlo was actually... He was actually supposed to be sat two seats away from me in the fight with um, with Errol Spence, but 
he didn't uh, he didn't show up. Wow. He turned up with uh, he turned up with some rapper stuff, uh, you know, Yellow Beezy. Okay. Oh, he had, um, turned up with him, and um, I don't maybe maybe he knew they were there from. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I want to ask Liam, obviously. You know, there's there's been a lot of confusion and everything like that as to what your next move will be. Um, when will we likely hear what your next move will be, and um, and when uh, who it will be against? I should say. When when should we hear some news from you? Uh, as far as I know, I'll well, I think I'll know within the next maybe two weeks. Uh, something should probably be announced by then. So, and my hopes are, I mean, they're going to fight uh, Mungia the Mexican, or uh, Andrade for the title. And both of those fights are fantastic fights. I'd love to see you in both of those either. Um, and just, I want to ask you also, being being there to see Mikey as well, um, personally one of my favourite fighters in world boxing, what was it like to, to see him from ringside beating Jesse Vargas? Do you know, I don't want to obviously run him down because he's so, he's so he's done so well, he's four-weight world champion and whatever. You know, he's obviously... He's obviously good to, to achieve what he has, but like for watching him live, I was expecting a lot more from him. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think he really. Um, How long is it? Well, I don't. Right? The, the fight. Nah, the fight didn't really catch fire, did it? Mm. He obviously knocked him down and landed some good shots or whatever, but he's way too small to be at welterweight. He's like, I just don't think he he lives the the life very well as he he comes in. He's a bit podgy, you know. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, he's obviously very, very good at what he does, so uh, you can't fault him. But I definitely think he should be probably a lightweight. Yeah, I think most of us agree, respectfully agree, to be honest. Liam, and just finally, my friend, yeah. any closing words to our listeners? Like I say, it's been quite a while since we last spoke. Any closing words before we let you go, my man? No, not really. Just just obviously thanks for everyone who's, uh, who's supporting and... Uh, Stay, stay on board because big things are coming. I'm really sure that they will be coming real soon, Liam. Listen, it is always great catching up with you, my man. Thank you for your time. Best of luck with what's next, and we'll all be looking out for that announcement. Hope to speak again real soon. Yeah, definitely, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I has taken away. Charlie Edwards will be returning to the ring on the April 18th at York Hall on the MTK show. And he'll be facing uh, Lara. Yeah, Kevin Lara, record 27-3 and three with a draw. Um, really, you know, his, his claim to fame is he boxed for a world title against Kazoto Ioka. Um, that one was back in 2016. He got he got KO'd in the 11th round. But other than that, I mean, you look for his wins. Again, you know, no real standout names or anything like that. So, yeah, his claim to fame is he did box for a world title at one point against Ioka. But, um, you know, no real great wins, like I say. Not a big punch or anything like that. Um, five foot four in height. So, Charlie Edwards should um, should have the beating of him, really, in his MTK debut at York Hall. The big news that's been announced is that Anthony Joshua will face Kubrat Pulev for the WBA, IBF, WBO Heavyweight Championship at Tottenham Stadium on June the 20th in London. Yeah, um, you know, it's a fight that we knew was going to happen. I think the little delay in the announcement was pretty much, I, I think anyway, probably Eddie Hearn was, was, you know, waiting to see 
how tight the contract was with um, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I think he was trying to hang around to basically see, are they definitely having the third fight? And, you know, as soon as Wilder said, yeah, I do want the third fight, then, you know, that was it really. The the announcement got announced for Joshua and Pulev. So it's a fight we knew was going to be happening. It is a mandatory, it's something that Anthony Joshua couldn't really avoid. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, what's the word, disrespecting the fight. I think it's a decent fight. I think that, and I'm, 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 this is a very um, unpopular opinion, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a decent fight. You know, I think, I don't think Pulev gets banged out quick or anything like that. I think it's a good fight. I think Pulev, you know, has got a brilliant jab, one of the best jabs. I'm, I'm even gonna throw it out there, one of the best jabs in heavyweight boxing. I think he's got. He's got half a chance in this, for sure. You know, I give him more of a chance than I gave Andy Ruiz going into the first fight, for sure. Tough fight. But, you know, you've got to favor AJ, of course. You have to. He's too quick. He's too powerful. You know, Kubrat Pulev's coming to the end and stuff like that. But it's not It's not a walk in the park. The next big news is that uh, Dillian White will face Alexandra Pavek for the WBC interim and toll on May the 2nd at the Manchester Arena. Yeah, Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. I'm quite annoyed, really, because Alexander Povetkin should have lost in his last fight against Michael Hunter on the Joshua Ruiz 2 undercard in Saudi Arabia. Um, And, you know, Michael Hunter, for me, won that fight. He got a draw. Remember, Eddie Hearn promotes Michael Hunter. He doesn't promote um, Alexander Povetkin. But yet it seems like Povetkin bounces straight back into another pay-per-view fight. And it's the main event this time, you know? So he's getting massively paid in his next fight. Is Michael going to be getting the same kind of money in his next fight? What's even happening with Michael? You know, even I don't know what's happening with Michael. So, um, you know, I know Povetkin's a big name and stuff like that, but um, I feel like it's an opportunity he doesn't really deserve. It's a a good fight. I definitely think it's a good fight. But, um, yeah, we'll break it down a little bit more closer to the time, I guess. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't be on pay-per-view. No way for me. No way. Yep. Okay. Anthony Yard will face Lyndon Arthur in a light heavyweight clash on the Dubai's Joyce undercard. Um, also, Chris Jenkins will defend his British worldweight title rematch with Johnny Gone and Dennis McCann is also on the show. We've also got Archie Sharp on that bill as well um, in in April, of course, Dubois, Joyce, shaping up to be a brilliant card. Um, the announcement with Anthony Yard and Lyndon Arthur. I mean, people are saying that's going to be a you know a great fight and stuff like that. I'm not one of those people. Um, I think Yard wins that one quite easily, and I don't want to come across like a total casual or someone who's completely ill-informed about Lyndon Arthur. He was a real good amateur and stuff like that, but since turning pro, you know he's had a he's had a poor run of opponents really. And his last fight, I remember he was quite bloodied up and stuff like that. He didn't look that good. I think his last fight was on the. Dubois Fujimoto undercard. You know, he didn't look that good. It was a boring fight, and you know, it was it was back and forth. You know, with with a guy that wasn't really that good. But I mean, you can't sit here and say Anthony Yards had the best resume as well. So I will, you know, I, I stand by that as well. You know, both guys don't have great resumes or great wins, at least. Obviously, Yard has got Kovalev, uh, Kovalev on his resume, but you know, could Lyndon Arthur last? 
what was it, seven or eight rounds or nine rounds with Kovalev? I don't think so. So based on that, you know, Yard's a big, big, big puncher. His power is real. He's got a fantastic chin he showed against Kovalev. I think he's just got a little bit too much for Lyndon Arthur, who, of course, was the much better amateur. That's for sure. But this is professional um, boxing, and it's a, it's a whole different sport, really. Sonny Edwards, Liam McGregor, Nathan Gorman, Willie Hudson, and Troy Williamson will return to action on the undercard of Josh Taylor v. Apin and Kong Song on May the 2nd in Glasgow. Yeah, they're all part of that undercard. Um, I don't think any opponents have been announced just yet. Sonny Edwards looking to defend his British title. Um, he's been calling out people on Twitter saying no one in Britain seems to want to fight him. Hopefully he gets an opponent soon. But yeah, as for now, it's, it's you know some great additions to that undercard. We'll, we'll hopefully get some good opponents as well. And that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much. Ayaz, moving on now to the preview part of the show. Um, let's start here tomorrow night at the Caesars Palace in Dubai. Um, one fight to mention over here. Former world champion, former IBF world champion, TJ Doheny, 22-1. He takes on Ayan Baluta, who's 12-2. and That's an eight-rounder there. Uh, moving out now to... Well, this is... this. Is, uh, I'm going to just give a little warning to our listeners. I'm going to swear in about 10 seconds. So if, if anyone's listening with any kids, if Stig is listening in his taxi, turn the volume down. Um, we used to do a segment back in the day called the Funny Named Fighter segment. And um, basically, you know, we'd name these, these funny, <laughs> funny fighters that we've seen online and stuff like that, you know. And uh, we kind of did away with it, really. It's quite a lot of hard work scaling through everything. But there's a name that stood out to me. He's 13 and oh, this guy. He's boxing in Germany on Saturday. Um, he's in a he's in a 10 rounder against a guy called Ericles Marine. But this guy's name, again, a swear word's about to be unleashed here. Um, this guy's name. I mean, it's it's his name, so it's not really a swear word. But anyway, let me get to it. His full name, his first and second name. His name is You Fucked Emma. I'm going to say it again. You Fucked Emma. You Fucked Emma. So, I don't know what you were up to, I as in, in uh, on Valentine's Day in whichever country you were in, but hey, maybe it's a hint. I don't know what you were up to. Who is Emma, Ayaz? Who is Emma? Do you want to tell us who is Emma? <laughs> I'm playing. Moving out now to the preview part of the show. We're on the preview part, but moving now to to the Manchester to the Manchester Arena in Lancashire, United Kingdom. Um, over here, you know, this bill was was gonna be a brilliant, brilliant bill. Obviously, we were supposed to see Scott Fitzgerald on the card. That fight, um, you know, ended up not happening. We were supposed to see Callum Johnson fight for the vacant European light heavyweight title that fight didn't end up happening but what we still get on the undercard is Jack Cullen 17 and 2 no opponent just yet he's in an 8 rounder there um, Anthony Fowler 11 and 1 takes on Jack Flatley 16 and 1 with a draw that could be quite interesting there at super well to wait for the WBA international title we get to see Huey Fury 23 and 3 he is in there again with another guy who I just don't see the point in fighting. You know, he's fighting a guy called Pavel Saw, who's 11-2, and two, coming off a loss in his last fight to Jermaine Franklin, and he got stopped in a round by Philip Hergovic back in 2017 in Hergovic's second fight. Um, not quite sure the point of that fight there for Huey Fury. Also on the bill, very good fight this one. It's um, 
I think the WBO number one and number two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Zach Parker, friend of the show, 18-0. and 0. He fights here for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Middleweight title against Rohan Murdoch, who has a record, by the way, of 24-1. and 1. That's a real, real good fight there. A lot of people won't know Murdoch, so I'm just going to give a little background check on him. Um... 17 KOs from those 24 wins, based in Australia, 6 foot tall, um, been in there with, I'm just going to look through uh, here, been in there with, yeah, this is the problem, been in there with not many great fighters, actually, um, yeah, none of these names really stand out to me, none of these names, boy oh boy, he's beaten some guys with shockingly padded records, um, yeah, should be an easy win that one for Zach Parker based on that. I uh, wouldn't mind seeing I wouldn't mind betting, I should say, that Parker gets a stoppage there. Um we've gone to the predictions on this one though, as the main event, Scott Quigg, thirty five and two with two draws. He's in a twelve rounder against friend of the show, John O'Carroll, seventeen and one with a draw. John O'Carroll as very fast um, became one of my favourite people to interview. He's he's so honest. I really, really, really like John O'Carroll. Got a lot of time for him. Um, I'd like to see him do it, but it's a tough ask. You know, it's a tough ask. John O'Carroll in that one loss, he looked real good against Tevin Farmer, but that is Tevin Farmer, a guy that you know is a tremendous inside fighter, a guy that is a, is a boxer really as well. Going backwards, you know, he's 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 a you'd kind of say he's got a negative style, you know, he boxes off the back foot, stuff like that, he can make you miss, um, Scott Quigg, complete opposite of that, you know, he comes forward, so does John O'Carroll, I said it to John O, it's going to be a great fight, I can't see this fight not being a war, I really can't, there's no way this fight's not going to be a good fight, um, both men are going to probably meet in the middle, Scott Quigg, you know, he, he is the real deal, you know, he's the real deal, um, that fight he had with Oscar Valdez, one of the most brutal fights I've seen in recent years, both men have got tons and tons of heart, I, I really don't know how this one goes, guys, how do you see it going? Um, if I'm gonna, I think it's gonna be a very, very tough fight for John O'Carroll. But if I'm gonna go with a win, I'm gonna go with Scott Quigg to win on points. Scott Quigg on points. Okay, the listeners have gone with. Let me just double check. They've gone with Quigg on points as well. Thirty-five percent of them. It's been it's been very close actually. Um, Thirty-five percent Quigg by points. Twenty-nine percent Quigg by KO. Eighteen percent for Carroll by KO and 18% for Carroll on points, so the listeners definitely favouring Quig there um, I suppose the smart money really is with Quig, isn't it, because you know he's been a world champion, but then again it was quite questionable the way he become a world champion, John O'Carroll's not a massive puncher, so I'm kind of looking at Scott Quig's most best wins and stuff like that, and you know, I remember when he demolished Kiko Martinez in I think two rounds, he looked unbelievable, could John O'Carroll do that to him? No, because it's not really his style of fighting, even though he's a pressure fighter, John O'Carroll, he hasn't got the heavy hands, um, it's, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult, because again these, these guys, both men are going to come forward, both men are going to be, you know, looking to hurt the other one, John O'Carroll has got the self-belief that just is super duper rare you know he really believes in himself he really insists he will be hurting Scott Quigg to the body and to the head um you know his self-belief is is off the chain really John O'Carroll but 
you know, self-belief can only get you so far, in my opinion. Scott Quigg, oh, it's a tough fight. You know, it's hard to bet against Scott Quigg, but I do think it's John O'Carroll's time. Scott Quigg, you know, his career over the last couple of years since he went out to the States and spent a bit of time out there, it's it's you know, it's been a little bit hit and miss, really. You know, he's been inactive, it feels. And um, it could just be John O'Carroll's time. Do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, oh, it's hard, you know, because obviously Quigg's only two losses came to Frampton, and it was a good, good version of Frampton. And remember, Frampton broke Scott, Scott Quigg's jaw real early on in the fight, and Scott Quigg came back in the second half of the fight and boxed really well. It was quite close, actually, in the end on my card. And um, his other loss came to Oscar Valdez. Yeah. You know, he kind of got outgunned a little bit there, but again, that was such a brutal fight. You know, he he busted um, Oscar Valdez up like no one else has. Um, oh, it's tough, you know. It is tough. It's tough to pick a winner, you know. I think I'm going to go with... I think I'm probably just going to go with Scott Quigg on points. I'm going to go Scott Quigg on points, so we're all in agreement there. Sorry, um, sorry, Jono. I'd love. I hope you do win, my friend. If you are listening, and going out now to the final bill to mention, it takes place at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Um, on the undercard, we get to see Zachary Choa, twenty and one. He takes on Ankel Sarinara, who is nine and uh, sorry, ten and nine with three draws. Effie Jag by the Nigerian heavyweight, undefeated in twelve fights. He's in a ten rounder against Razvan Kajanu, former world title challenger. Don't forget against Joseph Parker his record these days um, 17 and 6 um, Frank Sanchez 14 and 0 fights for the vacant WBC Continental America's heavyweight title against Joey DeWaco 20 and 7 with four draws and the main event Adam Kalnaki 20 and 0 against Robert Hellenius 29 and 3 um, that's not you know that's that's quite a bad a bad main event, in my opinion. Robert Hellenius, a guy I've never been in a rush to watch. Um, Adam Kalnaki, you know, right up there with one of the best heavyweight prospects in the world, you know. He really, really is. But his run of opponents hasn't been great of late, you know. He he obviously made his kind of big statement um, almost three years ago now when he beat Arthur Spilker. You know, he looked tremendous that night. Knocked him out in four rounds, obviously. It was... Um, quicker than Wilder did it and stuff like that. I think it was half the time Wilder did it. Then he beat Iago Kiladze, fair enough. Kiladze's not a fantastic fighter, really. Um, he stopped him, you know, he stopped him, fair enough. And then, you know, he boxed Charles Martin. That was an okay... Well, it was a good fight, to be fair, but he didn't look that great. And then his last couple of opponents, when he when he got the fight with Gerald Washington, um, I just felt like... You know, it was a little bit of a backward step. The momentum he'd he'd he you know he had in those fights, like beating Spilka, I thought a world title shot would probably come. You know, not too long after that, really, even if it wasn't so deserved. Um, but like I say, he he beat Kaladzi, beat Martin on points. Um, the Washington fight, he, he destroyed him, took him out in two rounds. Then he had the fight with Chris Ariola, which was crazy, that fight, really, when you look back at it. Um, what was the point in that fight, you know? It was just a, a strange fight, you know? What was the what was the need to fight Chris Ariola? And I'm hoping he's not burning out a little bit here, you know? And he takes on Robert Hellenius, like I say, a guy that... <laughs> a guy that his last loss came to Gerald Washington in eight rounds, you know? And like I say... Um, Kalnaki got rid of Washington in two rounds, so it's a pointless fight. You know, he's fighting too many of these, you know, these guys that are, 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 are you know, are basically fouled world, world 
title challengers or in Charles Martin's case, you know, a, a very a very bad world world champion if we're being honest, you know. So um yeah, Kalnaki I, I just want to see him in bigger and better fights, to be honest. Like I say, I'm not even going to bother watching this one here. 20-0 and 0 with 15 KOs. I'm sure it'll end up being um, 21-0 and 0 with 16 KOs. I think he gets Hellenius out of there, um, just like Gerald Washington did in eight rounds, just like Johan Duapas did in six rounds. Remember, Dillian White actually was the only guy to, to not knock him out in his losses. He took him the distance. But yeah, Kaunaki should should be able to get him out of there. Too active, too quick, too powerful for um for big Robert Hellenius. I think he chops that tree down and stops him. But anyway, that's it though for the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up part two, the final thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC flyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Jay Harris. Jay, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, glad to be on. It was brilliant to have you on, Jay. So there's really nowhere else to start other than on Saturday night in Texas. Um, just talk me through that fight, if you can, in your words. Obviously, a very valiant effort you showed. Uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, it was a very tough fight, as you could uh, as you could see. Um, I give everything pretty much uh, I had a poor first round I, I thought but I've watched it back since and I, I thought I'd done very very well after 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 that first round I, um, I give as good as I got I boxed well at, and um, yeah just got that I didn't come away with a win at all really I mean, obviously, Martinez, you know, he's a small and stocky character. You had the height over him. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not saying you can't punch, but most people, including myself, would have thought your best chance would have been to box off the back foot and, you know, just don't get involved in a trade-up. But in some ways, you did tear up the script and you brought the fight to Martinez at times in the fight. And, you know, there were times when you did trade with him and you got the better of him a lot of the time in exchanges. Um, was trading ever really in the game plan or did it just kind of happen in the heat of the moment because like I say you did it to perfection at times Jay yeah it uh, it just kind of happened sometimes um, as you said like I'm a big flyweight myself and uh, most most of the fights I've had I've been pretty much on the front foot I've never taken a foot backwards but um, at times it just felt like I had to have a fight and um, yeah as you said I sometimes I come off the better better guy you certainly did. And what was his power like? Obviously, he's got this reputation as as a demolition machine. What was his power really like, Jay? Uh, the way I could describe it, it, it wasn't like um, a knockout shot, you know, where he just like put me out. Um, but me, with the majority of the shots just out. Do you know what so mean? Like so like fudding kind of power. Yeah, like a thud. Like, but um, yeah, I, I showed my my durability and. Uh, took the best of the ad pretty much and as you mentioned you know you watched it back um the first round you know you, you got off to a bit of a rocky start i think you had a, a, yeah, a, yeah. a bloody nose early on um oh yeah and you know it, it seemed like um you know martinez was kind of setting the tone early on and like like we said it wasn't a great start from your point of view but you battled back you showed tremendous character and I spent about five minutes earlier on in the show ranting about how amazing you were. I mean, all in all, Jay, surely you've got to be proud of yourself despite being disappointed. No, no, I am very proud of myself. Um, I give give everything in that fight. Um, so just to come out just short, like I just know I'll be back, like and I will, I will win the world title somewhere. 
down the line. And did you happen to see the tweet that former WBC light middleweight world champion Sergio Mora put out after the fight? Obviously, a commentator for the zone. Did you see that at all? Yeah, yeah, I did see it. It was very nice of him to pull that out, to be honest. It was really good. Yeah, it really was. And, um, Obviously, at flyweight and, you know, a lot of the lower weights in general, we don't really have the massive names in Britain. The names that we do have, you know, they're, they're very few. Um, prior to Saturday night, the big names really at kind of flyweight and super flyweight obviously are the likes of um, Charlie and Sonny Edwards, Cali Afai, Andrew Selby, Prince Patel, funny enough. And then, of course, we had Paddy Barnes, who obviously you, you, you know, you, you beat and he retired after that. If you remember, though, at some stage, all these guys wanted to fight each other. But for one reason or another, the fights didn't happen. Charlie Edwards didn't get to fight Yafai. Um, Sonny Edwards didn't get to fight Prince Patel. Um, you know, everyone wanted to fight Paddy Barnes. Andrew Selby wanted to fight everyone. These fights didn't happen, but the only fight out of all those names that happened is yourself and Paddy Barnes. And obviously, the job you did on Barnes was amazing. You've just boxed Martinez on the road out there in Texas, a guy who knocked out Andrew Selby, a guy who looked like he was on the way to stopping Charlie Edwards. You've gone the distance. You've had major success in the fight. Do you feel like you deserve a lot more credit? Because out of those guys that I've mentioned there, they're they're all probably a little bit more well-known, bizarrely enough, than yourself. Yeah, definitely deserve more credit than that. Um, but after the fight, to be fair, I've had loads of loads of good feedback and my um social media and stuff went through the roof after the fight. Uh, bombarded with a lot of messages saying how, how how good it was. So I think people are just like starting to take notice now. So which is a good thing, really. After that fight, so my um profile has gone up massively I think good good stuff my friend you deserve it and like I say you were willing to fight Barnes you know you went to you went to Texas box Martinez that kind of proves to me that you want these big fights is it frustrating that some of the you know some of the guys domestically that I've mentioned there aren't fighting each other and do you want to be in the mix fighting those types of guys yeah I'd fight anyone I would it doesn't really matter Um, but obviously the money's got to be decent Mm -hmm. To, uh, because as it goes, it's a, it's a business at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, as I said, I'd, I'd go, I'd go anywhere to fight anyone or, or fight anyone that doesn't really bother me uh, at all. Um, it's um, I don't understand why people don't like to fight. Perhaps they're scared, maybe of losing the the zero or something like that. But um, as I said, um, even though I've taken a loss now, my my profile has gone through the roof. From that, if you give a good account to yourself, it will. You can take that loss and be back with with a bang. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And obviously, it's real early days. I know that you've only just pretty much flew back in. Um, what What is next if you know at this stage, Jay? And um, you know, if you don't know, when do you think we'll hear about what's perhaps next for you? Um, I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, obviously, I've got to heal up and stuff. I think I might have to like, perforate my eardrums um, during that fight. Mm. So I'm going to have to heal up uh, through that. But maybe a fight in the summer um, and then hopefully try and get another big title shot then in, just before Christmas, maybe. And of course, when everyone—that's what I'm hoping, anyway. When everyone gets into boxing in the beginning, Jay, you know this yourself. Everyone's got that dream of becoming a world champion. Everyone's got that dream of boxing for a world title. Ninety-nine, even more than ninety-nine percent of people don't even get to box for one. Um, but you know, we hear a lot of people saying, "Yeah, I'm definitely going to be a future world champion." And some people, you just look at them and you say. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, you got your chance. Did you prove anything to yourself on Saturday night? Did you surprise yourself in any way? 
Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, it was to to see pretty much if I, if I was world level. Do you know what I mean? And um, I think I proved to a lot of people that I am, and I can mix in and maybe even win a world title at at the flyweight. So yeah, I proved to myself that I I can mix it with the best in in the in the world. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's what I proved to myself definitely. And like I say, you proved that to yourself. You proved it to everyone that watched. Jay, just before I let you go, my friend, have you got any closing words at all? And um, this is just a, a little part of the interview where I'm kind of throwing the microphone over to yourself. You can say whatever you like just before we let you go. If I've perhaps missed anything or you want to just say whatever you like, it's up to you. No, I just, I just want to say thank you to everybody who uh, come out to support me and everyone who supported me back home with my family and everything. They've been unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back. I'll just see me in the summer. Listen, I cannot wait to see you back, Jay, because, like I said, that performance on the weekend, it was just, honestly, made us all <laughs> proud, my friend. Um, have you got any kind of uh, social... Yeah, you're on social media and all the rest of that. Where can, yeah, where can yeah. people follow you? And if you want to give a shout-out to your sponsors or anything like that, you're more than welkom. Yeah, um, follow me on Twitter, jharris19. Uh, Instagram's harris03. And my sponsors are... Sea lift diving, uh, uh, A&R specialist, Limitless Trampoline Park, uh, Trimology Barbers, and AGM Boxing. They've, they've been fantastic for me, they have. Excellent stuff. Listen, Jay, it truly has been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Rest up. Be proud of your efforts on Saturday <laughs> night, because believe me when I say the rest of the UK are tremendously proud of you, my friend, and I hope that we can catch up again real soon. Yeah, definitely. No problem. Okay, and this wraps up episode 229 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the top middleweight contender, Liam Williams, and the former WBC flyweight world title challenger, Mr. Jay Harris. A massive thank you to all of our listeners for listening to this week's show. I do apologize for the show being put out on a Friday rather than a Thursday like usual. Hopefully that never happens again. A few, um, a few delays moved us on to Friday unfortunately but it is what it is I, I apologise for that uh, myself and you the listeners both gained two points from last weekend's predictions I has gained zero so the prediction league stand is, standings I should say are as follows I myself am in the lead on 26 points you the listeners are in second place with 19 points and I as is at the back with 17 points the prediction league is back again this weekend but we've all gone with um, Scott Quigg to beat John O'Carroll on points so no one will be leapfrogging anyone this time next week uh, there has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show Katie Taylor will, will uh, drop back down to lightweight and put all four of her, of her world titles on the line against Amanda Serrano on May 2nd in Manchester on the White vs Povetkin undercard for all the belts like I say they're the undisputed fight but that's about everything from myself once again thank you all for listening to this week's show, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend enjoy your weekends people Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.